1: took what he learned recovering from an injury and years in the ring and created DDP Yoga cause
0: this time it's your time working out combined with the eating habits it was a huge difference I felt so much better it's a
1: lot of fun for me because I never used to be able to be active now I'm, I'm, I'm on the floor I'm rolling around it's, it's pretty cool more than importantly, I just want to be alive I'm down about 110 pounds yeah. DDP Yoga can work for anyone Bang!
0: DDP DDP, DDP. Rio so Five.
1: Hello, my fellow DDP Yoga Warriors. What is happening? It is Wednesday night, 9, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which means none other than another episode of DDP Radio drops right here at DDPRadio.com. Uh, gonna be a fun show this week, as always, um, but it may get a little out of control because our, uh, our motherly instinct. Uh, has left the show for momentarily. She's off this week. Stacey Morris has left the children uh, home alone, and that usually does not end well. Um, and, uh, of course, my name is Mike Mullins. You can find me, as always, at mike 90 percentcom and I'm being joined by my partner in crime, and I'm going to warn you right away, no one's going to get this reference this week. He is the Seth Rollins to my Robert Fuller. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert McLaren. How are you, brother?
0: I didn't even get that reference, so...
1: You'll have to to Google it It's a deep one uh, It's uh, probably not uh, You'll have to Google it I'll just leave it at that Okay, Um, okay Um, Yeah, I was doing good until I referenced So, you know (laughs) Uh, Well, you know how we roll here, Robert Usually I'm way over anyone's head Because the things that I'll be referencing Pretty much like nobody since like 1960 Would have any idea what I'm referencing at I don't think it's really over our heads. It's like to the left and down, I think. <laughs> oh. well, well, I you know, you know Robert, you've known me long enough to know that I'm basically obsolete to anything modern whatsoever, whether mm-hmm. it be technology, whether it be movies, music, you know, everything. I am I was either born way before or way after my time. I haven't decided yet. Um but, yeah, most of the things I talk about, people just smile and nod and just let me roll on my way.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what we do on the show every week, so. <laughs> uh,
1: well, speaking of the show, it's going to be a fun show tonight. Uh, Boys Night here on DDP Radio. Uh, Robert and I are, uh, are steering the ship without the supervision of uh, Stacey Morris, so things could go horribly wrong or horribly funny either way. But other than that, Stacey is down in Florida. uh on her little vacation uh, with Chef Bill, and they kind of ran long at dinner tonight, so she wasn't able to make it. Uh, She perhaps might call in later uh, if she gets out in time, but we will see how that goes. But uh, first of all, I want to introduce our our guest and bring him on right away because there's a lot I want to talk to him about. Um, He's one of my favorite members uh, that I converse with on on DDP Yoga because him and I have very similar uh, music tastes, and anyone who knows me uh, knows I'm a huge mark for music and anyone with good music catalog instantly gets over in my book. Uh so I'm gonna bring him on right away. He uh been a long time GDP yoga warrior. He's uh he's been around poking around groups and everything for a while and uh you probably know him because he's pretty active, but let me bring bring him on right now. GDP Yoga Warrior Adam Meter, right? Meter. No. Yes. Close, man. I I was so was trying to, I was trying to like I was going between, I know he just told me how to pronounce it, but then you play tricks on your heads. Yeah. <laughs> Metter.
0: Yeah. Like, I, like Metter. I told you, I've been called a lot worse, man. So, <laughs> you know. so Adam
1: Metter, that's, I'm sorry. I, yes. I've seen him on Facebook a million times, but he told me how to pronounce his name right before the show. And, like, right before I'm going to intro him, like, it's going back and forth in my head. I'm like, oh, wait, which one did he tell me it was and which one did he tell me it wasn't? So. Yeah, literally, like,
0: definitely. two minutes ago. Yes. Hey, it's, uh, it's all good, man. I'm happy to be on. I, I appreciate you guys asking me to come on. I've been listening for years, so uh, to come on is a pretty, pretty big honor to talk to you guys.
1: Oh, it's it's great to have you, man. And we've wanted to have you on um, for a while now. And you've got a you've got a pretty cool story, like a really cool story. Um, we've got a Thank lot you. of people who uh, who you know d p o got they've overcome challenges and stuff like that. But there is very few people who have bounced back from the the kind of stuff you've gone through in the past several years, and, you know, tell us what led you to kind of, you know, get into the DDP Yoga community and, and the universe, start the workouts, and uh, the circumstances which kind of, you know, altered your life uh, forever.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I started, it's been uh, three years ago, February 2013 is when I started DDP Yoga. You know, I stumbled across, uh, I'm a long-time wrestling fan, I stumbled across the, the progress of Jake the Snake Roberts, and I thought, wow, this is this is cool, I man. I knew that DDP had this, you know, yoga program, but I'd never, you know, really done any research into it until I saw the Jake uh, progress, and then that kind of led me to the Arthur Borman video, and I thought, shoot, why not give this a shot? I mean, I, I kind of took care of myself for the most part, you know, I, you know, I went to the gym, and Uh, but, you know, I was just kind of looking for something different, uh, to try. And I thought, okay, I'll give this a shot. And, you know, I ordered it and, you know, I I became hooked. And from February to 13 to October of 13, I got into probably the best shape of my life. You know, I toned up, you know, my wife said, you know, I I can tell that, you know, you've you've gotten cut. And when your wife tells you that, you know, I guess she kind of means it, so, (laughs) uh, uh, but then, uh, yeah, so I got in great shape, and then, you know, I had uh, I got really sick for, I guess, the latter part of October, early November, just a couple of weeks after going to just get my teeth cleaned, of all things. So, you know, I do fear the dentist now. Like and, you did uh, Yeah, even more. You know, like, you know, I have nightmares now when I think about sitting in the chair. Uh <laughs> But, yeah, uh, you know, long, you know, it was a long five week process where I just felt like I had the flu for, you know, forever. You know, I would, you know, have a high fever, uh, just chills and night sweats and just really fatigued, no energy. I was, you know, kind of losing weight without any changes to my diet. Uh, I think, uh, and I noticed that one time I was walking up the back stairs of my old job and my pants started falling down just because of the weight I'd lost. And um, so I was like, you know, something, something's not right. So after, you know, many doctor's visits and a couple ER trips, I uh, had some tests done that determined that I had uh, what's called endocarditis, which is a bacterial infection that has uh, affects the valves and chambers of your heart. And I got that, you know, I'm 99.9% sure just from that dental cleaning, because other than really intravenous drug use and things like that, there's really no other way to get it other than from what I've learned, uh, is either IV drug use or some kind of dental work, which in my case was just a cleaning. Wow.
1: That's, that's, that's crazy, man. And, uh, Jeez, in the five-week process, like, you know, most people would have just passed that off of the flu and, and go to the doctor and send you home, but it's, uh, the fact that you're persistent, and, uh, did you did you end up uh, – was there an incident that happened that ended up making you kind of go into the hospital and they're like, okay, something's wrong here, or is it just kept going to the doctor and they finally found something?
0: Yeah, it was uh, – I have gone to a, a really reputable hospital – Uh, in nashville i live i live about you know about 30 minutes north of nashville Went to a really reputable hospital and you know after i remember it was the saturday night after thanksgiving of 2013 uh you know waited and waited and you know they did some minor tests nothing that you know really mattered much or did much in my in my eyes and they kind of just sent me home and with a diagnosis of a fever of unknown origin and (laughs) to follow up with my primary care doctor. And I'm thinking, uh, okay, you know, uh, that's, that's great. So I I did, I did as such, you know, and even he was still kind of baffled. So then the following Saturday I went to the hospital here in in the town that, in which I live, uh, you know, because my fever had shot up to, you know, over 103 and, you know, my wife says, you know, I was just kind of babbling almost incoherently. And she's like, you know, we have to go back and get get it checked out. And luckily for me, she, just a few, I guess a year and a half prior, she left a job in corporate America to get back to school to become a respiratory therapist. So a lot of the medical terminology and things were fresh on her brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we went to the local hospital, um, and, you know, she said, you know, I've got this, my husband, he's healthy, but you know, he has been sick for months or, or weeks. And the, you know, the doctor, uh, the ER doctor said, you know, you're right. And there's something else going on. So he did a couple of tests, which brought back results that called for other tests. And, uh, after that, uh, you know, he, he sent the results to my primary care doctor and I found out a few days later that I, that I would need an echocardiogram, you know, basically where they, you know, do it's like a sonogram like a heart or something like that. And, and I remember that, that occurred on Friday the 13th of all things.
1: Mm-hmm. A while.
0: Um, yeah. so I, I went in and had that done and I expected, you know, because it was a Friday and it was midday, I would get results back the following Monday. Well, a couple of hours after that procedure, my doctor's office called and said, you need to pack a bag, stop whatever you're doing, pack a bag, and we're admitting you to the hospital because you have endocarditis, which is this bacterial growth that, in, in my case, it was growing on the aortic valves. Oh, no. wow. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I was kind of freaked out, but you know, at the same time, I was kind of relieved because they'd finally diagnosed it, you know, and I get on looking up the symptoms of endocarditis and, you know, it was boom, 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 by bullet point, by bullet point, everything that I had been experiencing. So, And I was initially supposed to go in to the, the hospital and stay for several days, um, I was getting hardcore antibiotics and antibiotics were just supposed to show the bacteria, you know, no surgery, anything like that. Just, just strong antibiotics for, you know, three, four, five days. And then I would come home and everything would be fine. Well, you know, that's not what happened. So, so yeah, I was, I was at one local hospital for, I want to say five days, my local hospital. I guess a uh, few times my heart went into they call it a VTAC. I'm not sure what it stands for. I just know that it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, it went into an irregular rhythm. Mm-hmm. I know it, at one point it was at 2 a.m. and I had you know doctors and nurses barge into my room and you know start checking me. Uh, long story short, the bacteria had destroyed the valve enough to where it was basically you know it was kaput. It was done. Uh, it it gets at a dangerous level when the when the bacterial growth gets to a centimeter and mine was at a centimeter and a half so at wow. that point i was running the risk of that bacteria breaking off and when that happens you know you got things like strokes or blood clots things like that happening i mean i was i was literally you know a time bomb i could have gone at any time
1: no, just from, and, and, from that happening. The fact that you had gone five five weeks, you know, in, in some state of that condition and actually kind of, you know, figure it out, you know, in time, like, you know, it's five weeks that passed. If you had wasted, waited another couple weeks, it's kind of – it's humbling to think of, like, you know, as much as it's, it's terrible it is, you got know, to go through that. You know, there's got to be some kind of uh, – Realization after something like that, like man i I kinda dig it here, you know, you never really think about like you know life and how great it is to kind of like just be here until something like that threatens to take it all away you you gotta come up with a, like some sense of renewal of uh of just of life of enjoyment to life after something like that,
0: oh yeah, absolutely, man, i mean it I, you know yeah you you hit the nail on the head, I mean. And I had a lot of time to reflect on that, on my own mortality, you know, because I was, you know, laid up for month, for a couple months um, mm. after, you know, after I guess I'd had the surgery, which I guess I stayed in I stayed in the, my home, I'll call it my hometown hospital for five days, and then at the point they diagnosed me uh, that I would need probably a surgical consult. Let's say they they didn't see surgery yet, so they transferred me to another hospital uh, in Nashville, a pretty reputable reputable heart hospital. And just so I can back up just a minute to, to another component of the story, uh, when I was at my hometown hospital, my dad had you know he had you know been coming to see me, and one day he he didn't come. He got my mom said that he had you know gone out to get the Sunday paper. and had fallen down because he was dizzy. But, you know, so he didn't come see me that day. Then the next day he came in, and then that following day, my mom had to bring him into the ER, which, long story short, he had a couple of strokes. So there was literally one point where I was in – we were across the hall from each other in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the doctors and nurses would come in and say, oh, Mr. Metter, it's time for your, you know, 6 o'clock – you know medicine oh wait you're not a 60 year old male i was like no, it's just <laughs> my dad across the hall and they would kind of freak out and think i was just some kind of crazy person on medication but you know and in fact it was my dad across the hall so yep that was a pretty oh. trying time you know, especially on my mom you know she's got her son yeah. and her husband you know and they have two separate medical issues going on it's not like we were you know in, a, in an accident where we you know we were in there for the same reason. It was just two separate freak things. So, you know, so we were in the hospital together for a, a day or two before they transferred me to Nashville, to the heart, ho- to the uh, heart hospital To And then I found out that I was going to have to have, you know, the, the open heart surgery.
1: Wow. wow. That's so, uh, okay. We won't focus the entire time on, on this medical thing, but that's it's just an amazing it's an amazing story, and kind of like how it all came together like that, and how you were able to move on from it. You know, something like that can either go two ways with people. You, it can either change them for the negative, and you end up becoming, you know, you know, depressed over it, and you can you can kind of wallow in the self pity, like why did this happen to me? Or you can kind of take it, like I said, and kind of appreciate what you have. And there's different there's different stages of something like that. I've been through similar, not the same thing, but similar stuff like that. And there is kind of like a, a, a sadness period, and then usually for me yeah. at least, it kind of evolves into, you know, self-realization. There's a lot of, uh, of uh, you know, reflection and, and self-realization that goes on after mm-hmm. uh, something like that. So how do you move on from that? How do you kind of get back your life and get back to normalcy and kind of what are your goals after something like this?
0: Uh, you know, it's like you said, just kind of getting back to normal. I mean, you know, I've got you know, a wonderful wife. I had two little kids, you know, that are that you know are elementary school age that, you know, I want to see grow up. And that's, you know, I have, you know, I didn't really have a choice. I, I had to get better. I had to do, you know, get back to 100%. I mean, that's, you know, that was my motivation, you know. And at the same time, and and I, and I in no way meant this to me, this to sound arrogant or cocky, but I myself was – was my own motivation. You know, I wanted to prove to myself that I, that I could bounce back from this and and become better.
1: That that's that's always a great point. And people don't realize when you said that. You know, not to be talking my motivation is myself. Um, but if you really focus on yourself and, and allow yourself to kind of uh, be the one. Uh, to be motivated for. You can't you can't lie to yourself. You can lie to your wife. You can lie to your kids. saying, oh, yeah, I'm doing this and doing that. But when it's yeah. you holding yourself accountable for you, it may sound selfish, but it's actually in that, uh, you know, quote-unquote selfishness, you're paying back your family and ultimately giving them the gift of, of getting you back to normal. So when it comes to your health and stuff like that, I don't think there's anything selfish about it. But, you know, you holding yourself accountable and and realizing that I'm going to get through this, I can't depend on everyone else to get me through it, i got to do it myself, mm-hmm. is ultimately taking the power into your control.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and not every day with sunshine and rainbows, and I'm not going to lie to you, there were a couple points, you know, I was, you know, I felt sorry for myself, you know, it's just human nature. I mean, especially when it's the dead of winter, it's gloomy outside, you know, I can't really go, because really the only thing that I could do is walk you know, and just to build strength back up, you know, and it's 15 degrees outside and the last thing I want to do is go out and get pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, when you're laying around in the dead of winter with nothing to do and all you can do is think, you know, those, those little emotions start creeping into your head You know, and a challenge of that is is to tell yourself, no, no, don't listen to those. You, you have to, you have to bounce back. You have to find a way. And I tell you, I, it, as cliche as it sounds, and I'm not making this up, I remembered live life at ninety percent because the hard stuff—it was over. It was done. There's nothing I could do about it. The only thing I could do was react to it. And you know that I kind of chose the high road. And,
1: and you're already uh, you're in, you're in the the community. The the ninety percent came into your head. And uh, you know, you sat there. You know, as you told me, you know, when you're stuck in a situation like that and you're sick for a long period of time, and just you're sitting there, only thing on to watch is daytime TV. The wife and kid, the, ki- the ki- wife and kids are away. You know, doing their yeah. things for the daily routine. You know, it's you know, I I am a very analytical person, anyways. I uh, I overthink a lot, which sometimes can be a great uh, you know plus in my life, and also a severe negative and mm-hmm. when you when you're sitting there by yourself just you know Jerry Springer you know all this stuff coming at you and you eventually you just got to turn it all off and tune it all out and then your mind yeah. starts you know filling that space and sometimes you know your mind while your your most important tool can also work against you at times and uh sitting there by your by yourself for so long you know it's really hard to keep that positive you know positive uh you know thoughts flowing all day long
0: yeah, I mean, you know, I, what I did was I actually binged watch Breaking Bad again. So, like in the month of January, I watched all sixty plus episodes together. Which, <laughs> when you're watching this show about a guy who's facing his own mortality, you kind of relate to it. Now, granted, I wasn't out, you know, selling meth or anything, but you know, you kind <laughs> of sympathize with him a little bit. But yeah, you know, but like you said, there comes a point where you got to turn a that stuff off, and I man. A lot of times I would just lay with my earbuds in and listen to music for hours and hours and hours you know that that helped get me through
1: and uh you know you talk about you talk about mortality and uh you know you know the gift we have here is is to l you know just be here for the short amount of time, especially the time uh you know period we live in you know the time we live in where you know most people in this world you know. Uh, are free from uh, for most depression. You know, if we had been born like forty, four hundred years ago, we, we probably would have lasted until we were fifteen years old. But just the time yeah. we're, we're living in this world, and um, you know, I have a problem in, in myself. Uh, we, I I I think kind of more, uh, you know, uh, mortality-driven thoughts sometimes. Like, okay, I'm I'm here for a hundred years, and the whole grand scheme of the planet, that's billions of years old what does this hundred, million, you know, years even mean? You know, what, does it matter if I die today or tomorrow? And it, when you really kind of take into account, you know, how how much of a gift it is to spend that, you know, even an extra day, if you could, with your wife and kids, um, it's kind of easy to put it in perspective when your mind starts to play those, you know, mortalistic games on you.
0: Absolutely, man. I mean, yeah, you, you nailed it again. I mean, it's, you know, it's a blessing. You know, I, I, I try to wake up and, and think every day, Hey, I'm thankful that I've got this extra day to to do the things with my wife and my kids.
1: So, so your time, uh, you know, for the for the for the months, and months and months of uh, of recovery and stuff, you've moved past that, and now you're well, You'll probably never be past it. All of it, a part of it will always be a piece of you, which is probably a good thing. Oh, because, yeah. You know, it will keep, will keep you humble. Um, but moving on from there, where did you, where did you go from there? I know you you're you're killing it with the DDP yoga. Um, you're, you're working hard You're in great shape Like a lot of guys who come in here uh, You know Come here for You know Extreme weight loss Or something like mm-hmm. that We're never really like You know Big You're probably toned up By it quite a bit You were, you were healthy uh, When pretty much When you came in
0: Yeah I mean I uh, You know I You know I was You know Like I said I, I, I was a runner And you know And I You know I would You know Do some resistance training uh, But DDP Yoga after my surgery, because, I mean, I lost 20 pounds. Um, you know, I was skin and bones when I left the hospital. So DDP yoga, once I was in, I wasn't able to get back on the mat until maybe four months after the surgery, which my goal was six, and I got back in and four, and, 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 th- and that was only after I got the go-ahead from the cardiologist. You know, I wasn't going to, you know, I was strictly following doctor's orders. He said, just listen to your body. So it took me, you know, a while. I mean, I was back doing, you know, push-ups, holding them plank, push-ups on my knees. Um, so, I mean, I was I was back at square one. But, you know, VDP yoga actually helped me put back on the 10, 15 pounds that I needed of muscle. So, I mean, it kind of worked in reverse to what a lot of people maybe use it for. I, I used it to gain weight.
1: And to take a, a side road here, about I want to talk about you know you running in the DPO again and stuff, uh, just a kind of a, a detour. Um, I had done a wrestling show uh, this weekend. I was I worked for uh, Jim Cornette this weekend, uh, mm-hmm. helping you know helping him kind of get his stuff together. And there was a big wrestling show there, and there was you know thousands of people. It was a huge show at the Dorton Arena in Raleigh. Which if you're a wrestling fan, you know the Crockett's used to run that and WCW. And it's it's a really cool arena. It was almost completely sold out, which is unheard of for, like, an independent wrestling show. But, you know, I I got to talk to a lot of people. And and, and, uh, I had one guy come up to me, and he goes, he he was one of the boys, you know, just joking around with me. But he goes, oh, DDT Yoga, that's the workout that all the fat guys do. I kind of (laughs) chuckled a little bit, but he kind of undersold it as, like, oh, it's, it's a workout for people who aren't athletes. Uh, and, and somebody like you who, who, who is a runner, and, and I've heard this from countless people. I mean, Chris Jericho and all those guys in the WWE who, who are professional athletes and still find incredibly challenging workouts for DDP yoga. And, and so, there are a lot of people who, who, have, who have a lot of weight to lose to our program. So some people think that it might not be for, for an athlete or, or somebody who's actually you know physical, in their own life, but here you are a runner and you went to DDPO before you even got your heart, your heart issue.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, I had zero flexibility, I mean I was kind of, kind of tired of getting up in the morning with my lower back hurting, my legs hurting. Um, you know, and I was, you know, I was 38 at the time, you know, and I, I couldn't touch my toes, I mean I could get my hands. When I tried to touch my toes, my hands would come down to roughly around my lower calf. And I'm thinking, you know, I got to get some flexibility, and, you know, I knew that yoga was good for building core strength and toning up, and I thought, hey, why not give it a shot? You know, I mean, like you see, mentioned Chris Jericho. How, he's, what, like 44, 45 years old? And, mm-hmm. you know, A.J. Styles, you know, it is, you know, he's been down at the Performance Center doing it. And you see those two guys tagging up on Raw, and you're thinking, wow, here's one guy, almost 40, one guy in his mid-40s, and look at those guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it really is, and and flexibility is something that, you know, people, you know, you can be a weight lifter, and you can't, you might not be able to do cardio for anything, but, like, flexibility is something, you know, you don't have to kind of beat yourself up for this thing, like, people look at people who are overweight and need to lose weight, and then there's someone like you, who, who's a runner and, and athletic, and, and they still get the most, uh, uh, you know, the same amount out of the workout, because it's a different animal, flexibility uh, is youth, and they're finding so many, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, uh, advantages to flexibility and, and, and the stretching. And they're talking about how sitting is so detrimental to your health. And, and yeah. me, for for me, I've been dealing with some health issues myself, which I haven't, I like, told too many people about in the community. But it, you know, with what I'm dealing with, I've, I've had i put on some weight in, in you know with the stuff I'm doing and the medication and stuff, mm-hmm. and. It's made my workouts harder but I've noticed that DDP yoga is one of the only things that it, that uh kinda makes me feel better. I can't really run on the treadmill 'cause I'm just I've got some, you know, nausea issues and stuff, but I can get on DDP yoga and do like thirty minute workouts and, and feel like a million bucks and still get that movement and, and that, you know, the heart rate going and the you know, the feeling better from sitting on the couch for a lot of part of the day.
0: Yeah, I mean I I mean, I sit at a computer at work for eight hours, so I mean I, I can't tell you how beneficial it is for me you know and then plus you know after a couple of knee surgeries i've I've stopped running altogether because i don't really need to anymore Mm -hmm. you know and i you know the good thing is you know i've broken up still broken up all that scar tissue in my knees but you think you know i could do a 30 minute run or i could do 30 minutes on the mat you know i'm gonna choose the mat every time Uh, 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 that's
1: that's 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 a great point, and, and I got to bring this up to you because, you know, I've talked to people for a long time, um, and I've always had kind of the same that like, you can't reboot your life, you can't restart your life, um, but you can probably also look at your life in two phases, you know, before that, you know, that really hard time, and then after. But so many people, when things go wrong for them, whether it's a health issue or you know they gain weight or, or they, they they have some kind of significant issue. first instinct is I'm going to reboot it. I'm going to start everything from scratch. And and I've always said that I don't believe in, like, the reboot thing because, you know, everything you've learned in life has brought you here, and the knowledge you gain from these hard times, um, you know, will be more of a gift than completely wiping the slate clean. Uh, With what you've been through, you know, obviously the strength that took the fight back and, uh, you know, the perspective you gained, uh, if you can pinpoint one thing, it doesn't have to be the tough thing. It could be just one thing that sticks out to you uh what did you gain from uh you know getting yourself on the other side of this uh this issue
0: um you know just to have to have faith and stay the course you know there's so many times i i know I told myself I'm never gonna be in the shape that I was before this I'm never gonna you know I'm never gonna nail a black crow again, let's say you know I'm never gonna do. This, but that's the negativity talking, you know. And it's kind of like you have two little angels on your shoulder, essentially, and, you know, one saying you can, one saying you can't. So, I mean, I learned perseverance in a nutshell.
1: What a lesson for your kids to kind of stand by and watch too, you know? I mean, if you, you yeah, know, you, you can you can preach advice all day, but let's see that their, their dad had the, had the strength to kind of push through this, and I think that's pretty cool. For for them to witness.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I drew a lot of inspiration from my son. Um, Just kind of to to rewind, well before all this, when my son was born, he had a condition called esophageal atresia. That's basically his esophagus that came was deformed. It, It stopped in a blind pouch. And his trachea grew up into his stomach. So at three days old, you know, they took my newborn son, my first child, you know, cut him open and cut his trachea and sewed it to his esophagus at, at three days old. I and mean, he couldn't, you know, swallow on his own when he was born. So, I mean, over the course of the first couple of years of his life, he was in and out of the hospital you know he's had several esophagus dilations you know he even had one a year or so ago you know there was a point when he was seven months old that he had a surgery and you know s- something went really wrong later that night and uh, his, his time of death was actually called at one point but oh. he came he, he came back so I I always have that in my mind as my motivation and thinking that if my little baby boy at the time, he was a baby, can overcome this and overcome everything that he has, there's no reason that I can as well. Wow. that that's a good head. motivation. Yeah, I mean I you know, he's you know, and my daughter too, I mean, they're my you know, they are my Motivation. wow and he's perfectly healthy he, you now. I mean, you, you see it now, and he's, he's sharp as a tack. He really has no health issues, you know. And I'm once again very thankful. You know, I mean, that's it's a little different when it's yourself versus your kid. You know, you I would much rather take the bullet, you know, than than him. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: ultimately, you yeah. know. You know, what you you've, your family has been through. Um, I mean, you, you all must share a sort of perspective uh, that a lot of people, you know, who coasted pretty easily through through their adult life probably don't. Yeah.
0: Know. Yeah. At, at the same time, though, I, I I look at it as that, you know, everything that you know my son, myself, my dad all went through. You know, it it was terrible but there are a lot of people who have it a lot worse. I and mean, I, I tell you, I always think about all the time that he was in the children's hospital, you know, and, you know, you walk around and, and you see a lot of sick children there and you think to yourself, wow, these kids are never going to see the outside of these four walls for the most part. They're not going to have a quality of life. And, and I tell you, that is something that that really puts things in perspective. I I even thought about, I thought about that a lot when I was in the hospital thinking, I'm going to get out of here, but I know there's some kids across town who are probably not going to. Yeah,
1: that's, it, it's such, you know, selfishly as human beings, we kind of look at our situations um, and, and yours being a lot, uh, a lot more profound than a lot of other people. We start, we look at our situations sometimes, no matter how insignificant and, and think it's, I think it's the biggest thing in the world and it's the worst yeah. thing that could possibly happen to me. Um, I, I say this, you know, all the time, uh, you know, I, I have terrible days someday, but I, you know, days are just, nothing's going right. But I try to think of myself, like, you know, I could be in Africa right now, being one of those kids uh, starving to death on the streets and, you know, spending for themselves out there, or I could yeah. be, uh, you know, in some third world country where I don't know where my next uh, swig of water is coming from. It, it, it's, it's, it's really good to put things into perspective um, you almost feel after you kind of do that, I'm like, what am I complaining about?
0: Um, yeah, I so many I, mean, people I still have it so to this day. I have a crap day at work and think, well, you've been through worse, or there's other people who've, who've gone through worse. It's a, it's, a, it's a human emotion that,
1: you know, when we actually kind of put into perspective what I'm upset about or what I'm mad about, you know, it's easy to kind of, you know, dismiss it and, and realize how lucky I am, um. You know, for me, like, despite all the ridiculous that's going on in America right now, the fact that I was born here and have, uh, you know, access to a meal pretty much on demand wherever I want it, um, it's something that a large part of the, country, uh, the world will take for granted. The fact that I can go across the street to the grocery store and grab something whenever I feel like it, it's, it seems so insignificant to me, but it could mean everything to someone else.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, I mean, you're right. You know, we live in, in a country where a lot of us take that for granted. I and mean, there are people in, in this country that, you know, don't have those, those luxuries. So, you mm-hmm. know, the fact, you know, a lot of times we need to be reminded to put those things into perspective.
1: And, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure when, when you, with, with your, with your son and yourself in the hospital, as you said, you, you saw people in far worse conditions and, you know the fact that your son w- was was able to get out of there and, and grow up, and the fact that you um, are able to get out of there and, and live your life, a lot, uh, you know, uh, almost to its fullest, you know, physically. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's. I
0: mean, we it's have to do this problem. for each other, for each other, because you know we need each other to go see superhero flicks together. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. well, Sorry, I just try to make it lighthearted there.
1: Well, I mean that, that's that's good too because you know you're able to share this kind of bond with your son through your through your you know your adversaries, but then you're also kind of like have that kind of bond as father son in life too. And I bet I guarantee you, you know, both of you being through all this are a lot closer and are able to enjoy things like that. Um, and, and I bet you know, growing up, you know, his you know his problems and your problems is gonna is gonna be a bond that sometimes father and sons, teenagers get older and stuff, but you're always gonna have that and. uh you're always going to have that kind of connection with each other that will ultimately yeah. always be there.
0: I mean, I always tell people he's my he's my best buddy. I mean, he's he's the person I do most everything with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so you know, he and I went down to the performance center together and worked out a few times in December. I mean, so I mean, he's always going to remember that, as will I. And that's that's
1: awesome. And the fact that you're able to share these kind of you know, pivotal years with with each other kind of, you know, doing some cool stuff and going to the Performance Center. And, you know, yeah. it, it, my, when my dad took me to the Performance Center to meet Diamond Dallas Page when I was younger. Not that there was a Diamond Dallas Page that was working on top when he was younger. But my dad, <laughs> I, my, my 18th birthday, he gave me a bill, an itemized list of everything I had in the house for the past 18 years.
0: Oh, wow.
1: I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> no, yeah. but you know, it, it, it's cool because, you, you know, you're a cool dad. You, you, you seem like a cool dad. I, I see your stuff on Facebook. And I try and be. It's
0: hard sometimes. Sometimes you, you have you to be ch- an
1: actual dad. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I tell Katie that all the time. I'm like, I'm just going to be the cool dad. And, like, you, when, when the time comes, I'm going to be the cool dad. And then I'm just going to let you take all the care of the BS and just be bad yeah. mom. And I'll, I'll be in the corner like, I know she's a drag, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm the crusty old grumpy dad, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> go to your room, turn, turn that Xbox off, off. Turn, turn that music down. But you, you got to find a balance in those
1: things too, because you got to be friends with your ba- with your with your kid. Mm-hmm. But also, if you're only friends with your kid, then they probably don't stand a chance because there's no yeah, sort agree. of like uh, you know guidance of what's right and wrong and what I should and shouldn't. And uh, you know, you guys, I, I see your pictures, you know, on Facebook. I, I see your your posts and stuff like that, and it seems like you genuinely all dig each other. It seems like a cool dynamic.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, you know it's a it's a blessing. I'll, I'll say that it's you know I'm very I'm a very lucky person to still be here experiencing those things. And you recently moved,
1: right? You just kind of went got yeah. into a new new house or something.
0: Yeah, about uh, July, I think it was. We we haven't been here a year yet, but it was actually. Just literally across the street, almost. I could walk out to on my new deck and see the my old deck. So oh wasn't, wow! Wasn't that far of it? I mean, I could, like I said, I could throw a rock and probably hit the house.
1: Well, that's not too that's not too hard of a move, right there. At least it's not too much of a pain. No, it wasn't,
0: it wasn't too bad. We had to well, we had to put stuff in storage and then live with my my wife's parents for. Uh, about five weeks, so we had to actually kind of move twice. But you know, luckily, you know, we we actually also saved a month's mortgage payment too. So.
1: Yeah. When when Katie and I moved down here to, to North Carolina from up in New Hampshire where we were before, uh, we went uh, not this past October, but the October before then, and uh, m- my lease was up at my, at my place. Uh, so I instead of like having to re-sign a short lease, I stayed with my parents for like three weeks before we we were we ready were to come down here because, you know, just kind of the timing was an issue. And, and hmm. I love my parents to death. They're the greatest people in the world. But you don't realize how much you can't go home until you read the movie with your parents. Oh, yeah, leave, man. The place seems so tiny. And...
0: Yeah, I, yeah I, I, you still feel like you're, you know, obligated to their rules, which I guess you <laughs> kind of are, really. You know, being bet by 10, you know. <laughs>
1: One thing I noticed is that I, 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 I they listen to the television at, at, an, at, a, at an audio uh, level that only dogs can hear. Because my mom's like, can you turn the TV down? I'm like, I, I literally can't understand a single word they're saying.
0: It, it's like, uh, you know, that just real high-pitched, almost like a sound system. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and, and I, I've gone to rock shows, uh, hundreds of rock shows a year, working in radio for several years. So I might be a little bit... Uh, not the person to ask because I have uh, some severe hearing problems.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, uh, oh, I'm
1: right there with you, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and before we go, because I, I want to get with this, you're a big music fan too. Uh, you know, we t- yeah. we kind of bonded uh, on, you know, on Facebook and stuff through our similar music interests. Uh, you know, what, what what are you into? What did you grow up with? And uh, you know, how, was, how you said that music was a big part of your your recovery, which for me, it, it's always. It's always my happy place. Um, yeah. Know, when, when I'm when I'm stressed, I put on my headphones, Katie calls, going into my land, and, and it's so cathartic to have that kind of soundtrack for your life just available.
0: Yeah, man, I dove into just a lot of albums that I hadn't listened to in a long time, a lot of, a lot of you know, a lot of Pearl Jam stuff that I, d- you know, didn't really dig into like I should have back in the day, you know, a lot of stuff off, you know, The the Avocado Record, we'll call it. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah, it's a great record. And I I really didn't pay a lot of attention because I kind of dropped out on them for a while. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, the good thing about when you have an artist like that and you drop out on them, you could come back and it's like a whole new catalog of things that you haven't really paid attention to. So, I mean, you know, I had everything for like that. And, um, you know, Yield, I had, had not listened to Yield in a long time. So that's, that's a phenomenal record. So, you know, you know, just stuff like that. I mean, I grew up, you know, a, I guess I was kind of hitting my, my teenage years in the early 90s, so I grew up a, with a lot of that 90s rock. You know, Pearl mm-hmm. Jam, STP, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, uh, and, you know, all of the subsequent bands that kind of tried to rehash that sound, if you will. Yeah,
1: well, you know, I, I'm right there with you with it with the, the 90s alternative bands. I, I started a campaign to have my parents move me to Seattle, and uh, yeah. <laughs> that didn't work. But, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, music can kind of run the gamut of emotions. And uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I actually find that like my catharsis, if I'm having a bad day, uh, when I throw in a record, and, and it's kind of like just a mellow kind of melancholy, even depressing record, like I can pull off the earbuds and feel better. Like. You know, usually, you know, women will listen to, like, uh, or not women, but Katie will listen to some, like, upbeat country music to, like, you know, get her get her going for the day. But, like, me, like, just brooding, like, depressing stuff, and I take it off and just, like, i eh, kind of calm now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it kind of brings you back down into, a, like, almost a, a state of, you know, a quiet euphoria, if you will. Yeah. And you can, you know, even if it's moody and, like you said, moody and depressing, it puts you in that spot where you can just kind of drift off.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what it is for me, uh, just being able to, you know, throw on my earbuds and disappear, you know. It's one of the few few moments, like, as I said, I'm very analytical and overthink a lot. It's one of the only, you know, parts of my day that I can completely just be calm and be like, you know, flat lines and just like nothing kind of going in my head and ears and kind of just my, my happy place where I can tune out the world. Oh,
0: yeah. And I need to do more of it, you know, just with the hustle and bustle of every day. There's not – because, I mean, I listen to, to music all day at work or in my earbuds, but I don't get to unwind with it. It's almost like it's there as – I don't want to say background noise, but it's it's there just to kind of keep the pace moving. But mm-hmm. I don't really feel like I get to sit and and dig into the meat of it, if you will.
1: It's so good to do. You know, we live in a world where, I mean, you know, back at, you know when we were growing up, and, and also Robert in there too. He's, he's in the same age bracket uh, as us. You know, we uh, we had uh, what was going on within our general vicinity. Like we had what's going on in our house, maybe our neighborhood in, in, on our on our pulse. And now with mm-hmm. the internet and, and Facebook and Twitter and, and everything, pretty much the world's problems are always like. At our fingertips, you know, we've got the overwhelming uh, problems of an entire planet constantly right in front of us, and oh, yeah. sometimes I get overwhelmed by that. And sometimes I don't deal with that when I see, you know, a, a, a news page on Yahoo and or Google, and all the stuff is kind of just you know tragedy and negative news. I, I get really overwhelmed by that, and you know, sometimes just sitting there with your headphones and just unplugging and just kind of just being in your own world with just you and the music. Is is so important to me?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, you can't, I mean, you can't cut on the news anymore without hearing about a shooting somewhere, and anything. and I think, I'm it, it's almost to the point where I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm almost numb to it now because yeah. it's, it's such a, a frequent thing, and you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get on any kind of side here, uh, but you know, but like you said, you know, the world's problems, you know. There's so many of them now, but kind of music helps reel you back in and helps you kind of ride the ship. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just to the point where they don't even report on, on the tragedy anymore because there's so yeah. much, like, where do you pick and choose? There was a, you know, a shooting the other day, and it got, like, a blurb on the Internet. Like, back in the day, that would have been, like, headline news for months. Yeah. Or such a, we're in such a place where it's just coming at us all the time. You know, I could I could get a bucket of water, cold water, thrown in my face, and it would shock the hell out of me. But then I get a yeah. bucket of water, cold, and thrown in my face, like every minute for the rest of the day, and it's going to be desensitized to it. So, you said, and it's kind of it's kind of hard because you really do want to give a damn. You don't want to just you know look past this. You want to give it the attention it deserves and, and just not you know, bury it. But it's to the point where it ends up affecting your own kind of, uh, you know, mental well-being, just seeing all this tragedy coming
0: at you all the time. Yeah, and you have to think, of, you know, as a parent, I had to think about, you know, how do I explain this to my kids? You know, you know, like you said, growing up, you know, it's like it happened once or twice. It was big news, but to them, you know, it's almost the norm. Mhm. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what are they going to think?
1: It's scary kind of bringing up kids in in times like these where, where uh you know just the world is so uh un, un, uneasy you know
0: yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely a frightening um, thing if you will I'm trying to, i can't think of the right terminology but it's it's scary
1: and, and with stuff like this, you know, you you can only do your best. And the thing with B P yoga, which kind of, you know, draw me to it uh, initially was uh, there's so much negativity. And then I kind of get involved in this community where where people are, are really, truly positive. And at first I didn't know how to take that. I thought I was getting involved yeah. in some talk at first because who are all these people smiling all the time? <laughs> this isn't yeah, normal. You
0: know. You're like, you know, you're first you're like, here, drink this Kool-Aid, you know, should I drink it? But, you know, but you're right, man. You know, it's it's just full of positivity, and I think that we as a community do a good job of weeding out those who maybe are not as positive as as they should be. Does that make, that make sense? Oh, yeah, I thought you said
1: something else. Oh, Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> so I, 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 thought you were, I thought you were still talking. and I lost you. Yeah, yeah. That, that I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And you know, I, I'll, I'll admit it. I buy into the negativity sometimes. The world brings you home. And I also, as like a as a professional comedian, which I did for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. my my key my key to interacting in the world is, is kind of snarky little, you know, funny little comments and stuff. And you know, sometimes when things get real, I don't actually know how to handle it. Um, but it, it's true. We 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 take in all this negativity, and then when you get on these you know Didi the you, know, you know boards and, and with people like that who are like minded, and, and you have that kind of positivity. It's almost like a load off your chest being surrounded by people who who aren't just constantly just being negative and down.
0: Yeah, I mean you know and, I mean like you and and Robert, you know we've met so many just phenomenal people through this. People that. Who I've, you know, had the, you know, the opportunity to meet face to face, and some of which I've, I've yet to meet, that I consider friends that I could drop a note to and say, hey, you know, I have a question about this, or what do you think about that, you know, because there's just so many awesome people, and, you know, and you continue to see it grow and grow and grow, which is, it's, it's, it's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, and you see, you said it right. There's so many people like I, I always refused to do like any internet dating when I was single because it seems so bizarre being friends with someone that you didn't know over the internet to me. It's like I've yeah. never even met this person. why would I start like a, a communicating you know a relationship and i I still to this day am leery whenever I meet anyone on the internet that like I become friends with, but I have like, with you and and nolan Bobbitt and Josh McAdoo, and I've met Robert, he's still in therapy um. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, I, I meet all these cool people uh, that I, I can truly say are, are not internet friends, but I have become friends with, and it's kind of yeah. bizarre to me, and sometimes uncomfortable because I'm like, what have I become? Like, it, but I, it is you. You look, you meet these people, and you get on a certain kind of, you know, you know, level with them on um, a friendship that you don't think you could get from someone you haven't met yet. And you know, I, I talk to Josh McAdoo like five, six times a week on the phone, and I haven't met him in my life. Same thing with Nolan Bobbitt, and. and and, and you, I, I genuinely like you and consider you a friend and dig you. And I've never met you. And we will all meet eventually. Sure, we'll come we across the, sa- the same. But, uh, you know, it's great to have that sort of, of, of community and and friendship. And, you know, it, it's kind of, while still like being never have met, it's almost kind of like a beauty to it that we, we've, we've all connected, yet never having, you know, shaking each other's hand in a perfect person.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's... You know, and it makes it that much sweeter when you actually do meet that person in, you know, face-to-face. Because, you know, you already kind of have that that bond, if you will. But it's almost like it's cemented then when you meet them face-to-face. You know, like I met Robert at the PC opening, you know, and it was like, you know, oh, hey, it's Robert. I, I know Robert. You know, it's not like it wasn't awkward, like, hey, I'm, I'm Adam, you know. Uh, yeah. so. It was it was cool you know the PCO opening, we got to see so many of those people it was really cool. Wait, can you confirm and, and the workshops. Josh
1: McAdoo, Can you confirm that? That Josh Mac? Can you confirm that Josh McAdoo is real, not an overweight, balding, middle-aged, creepy guy living in his basement, just you know, putting Josh's picture up there? I was told to
0: just plead the fifth on that one.
1: <laughs> Mike, you just described yourself, so I'm a little confused.
0: <laughs>
1: I plead the fifth. No, I'm a twenty one year old bodybuilder who lives in uh, Miami, Florida. K Robert. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, a catfish here. So I Katie and I watch that and it's so creepy. We like we get so freaked out by it. We assume that anyone on Facebook is now catfishing us we made us all paranoid.
0: It's so creepy but yet so so good. You know oh, it's I almost it's like that you that want I to see it. how awkward it is. <laughs> yep.
1: Uh train T V.
0: Yes. Yes, you, you uh, just can't turn away.
1: Yes. Well, that hour just blew by. We're, we're already out of time, and we barely scratched the surface, so we're going to have to have you come back again uh, sometime in the future and, and, and talk to us some more, and I genuinely enjoyed talking to you. Like I said, you're uh, one of my favorite people on, on Facebook to follow because, you know, you and I have a similar taste in, yes. in several things, so...
0: Uh, Absolutely. I, I, I feel the same way about you guys. It's it's good to finally get on here and hash it out. Like you said, man, I felt like we just, you know, scratched the surface on a lot of things and that we could, you know, probably keep talking for another hour or two.
1: Yes, uh, that that is absolutely. And, and but we will. We'll have you back. Uh, we'd love to talk to you again, and I'm sure I will talk to you in the meantime over on the uh, Squawkbox Box uh, gimmick. <laughs> but, on the, uh,
0: the MyFace or Facebook page?
1: MyFace.com. You know, before before Facebook, it was MySpace. Before MySpace, it was Friendster. And before Friendster, it was people actually having friends.
0: Yes. People <laughs> talked face-to-face. <laughs>
1: what a crazy concept.
0: <laughs> all
1: right, yes. Matt. Well, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh, until next week, uh, Stacey Morris should be back uh, to keep us all in line. And uh, Robert McLaren, thank you so much for... Uh, all you do um, on the tech end, and, and, and you posted a really cool thing uh, the other day. You kind of shared it with me in private, but you put it on your Facebook page. That, Steve, your insurance you did was, was awesome, and I, I know people will never understand who aren't tech people, how much work went into that, but it, Robert is truly gifted when it comes to stuff like that.
0: That was pretty yeah. badass, yes. Yeah, I appreciate that. That took so much time, but it was... It... Nope, did we lose
1: Robert? Oh, oh there, hello? hello? Yeah, I can kinda of hear you. Oh.
0: Hmm. That was weird.
1: Yeah, you're all you're all cutting up, brother. But uh yeah, you I, I uh he did an awesome job of that and, and Robert is top it comes to come all that stuff. And I think he put together a few other graphics for uh Stevie Richards and his uh his his personal training uh stuff, so you can be on the lookout for that. Yeah, there's there's some more coming out. All right, man. Uh, well, once again, thank you very much for uh, the out tonight, Stacey Morris, for the one and only Robert McLaren, and for our guest, Adam Metter.
0: Yes. Got it right. There we go.
1: You, man. All right. Uh, my name is Mike Mullins. Until then, thank you guys so much uh, for db Radio. We'll, we'll be back 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time next week, uh, same place, same channel. And, of course, we're available on iTunes anytime on demand. Uh, and also on demand at ddpradio.com. So thank you guys so much. I will see you guys later. And remember to never, ever, 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 ever give up. See you guys. Checked it today, man. That was a great workout, man. The power bomb set up by face. I did I don't believe it! Diamond Cutter out of the power box! We're going home. You've been listening to DDP Radio. Tune in again next week for another edition of DDP Radio with more great guests, inspiration, and news from Diamond Dallas Page and Team DDP Yoga. Keep up all the great work, and most importantly, own your life. This has been a presentation of DDP Yoga and Blog Talk Radio.